0: Welcome to the Open House podcast site, available at openhousecommunity.com.au. Well, there is, as usual, so much to catch up on in the world of new media and social media, especially with the London Games being declared the Twitter Olympics. So to take us through that and much more, here's our open house guru, Steve Krieger. Steve, welcome back. Uh,
1: Thanks, Lee. Good to be back.
0: Thank you. Steve, social media has played much more of a role in this Olympics this time around than ever before, for good, but also for not so good. Let's take the good first.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Social media uh, has been huge, these Olympics. Uh, on the on the, the side of good, uh, uh, we've been able to, through social media, get access to a whole lot more information um, than we've ever seen before. Behind the scenes, what's been happening uh, at the events, getting insights into uh, the life of the athletes. Social media has also provided people with... Um, a more direct line of communication with the athletes so you know in the past we had hero grams you know you'd um, uh, put in your your voice message or you'd write a letter and go off to the olympic village and then pass it on to the athletes now through social media uh, anyone is able to pass on their direct message of uh, encouragement um, straight to the athlete via via twitter and that's changed um, the nature of Uh, how we engage and communicate with athletes like we've never seen before.
0: Which is great for us and also good for them as long as we're supportive and as long as it's not putting too much pressure. But it's been very clear over this last week that this is adding a really big new pressure to some of these athletes already under extreme pressure.
1: Well, that's right. I mean, they've come to these games and they've been uh, built up over time. You know, the, the weight of a nation is on your shoulders and we've seen this... Uh, with James Magnusson and uh, um, Emily Seabone this week, they've really felt this weight of expectation as their fans, their followers, other Australians um, have been contacting them and, on the whole, really just giving them their support. Um, but that support has turned into um, a whole lot more pressure um, as they've felt uh, thousands of um, their fellow Australians uh, uh, kind of sharing how much they want them to win that gold medal. And we've seen um, the disappointment in their faces and um, through Emily as she's been quite upset in those press interviews that they've received silver, but in their mind and through the expectations of their supporters, they really had wanted to get that gold medal more than anything.
0: Both Emily and James are very much of this kind of social media generation and yet we forget how young they are and clearly how ill-equipped I think they've been by some of those around them to cope with this kind of pressure, which is a new pressure.
1: Yeah, that's right. I mean, if, even if you look back to the Sydney games, I mean, social media really you know, wasn't around. Uh, Twitter was a, 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 long, a long way off, and, and Twitter yep. is the channel that has been getting most of the attention of uh, these, these games. Uh, there was no opportunity to communicate with, with athletes. Grant Hackett talked about uh, his... Uh, efforts uh, at the Sydney Games and the way that he tuned out was just to stop um, uh, reading the newspaper uh, you know it's, uh, n- who's reading the newspaper now <laughs> very um, good these point. athletes have grown yeah. up with this media um, it's the way uh, I think it, there's, a, there's a flip side as well you can really get your identity um from the way that people are talking about you, which is yes. why social media is so addictive. Yeah. Um, but it also adds, as we've talked about, this, this pressure to perform because so much of your identity can be built up by what people think of you and how you're doing.
0: Especially when, as we've seen also this past week, the social media turns savage, nasty
1: yeah and this is this is the side of social media that we um, continue to see something of. so we had um that uh, the the British diver uh, his father had died of cancer last year and he said that he was um, he was diving um, for his father, he wanted to do his father proud. um he didn't get the uh, the gold medal, uh, and then someone on Twitter commented that he had he'd let his father down. I mean, it's just savage um, and completely uncalled for. But uh, this is an element of social media that some people may be unfamiliar with, that there are people out there whose sole goal um, is to upset others. They're not looking for reasonable conversation. Um, they're not even unreasonable types of people. They exist... To cause grief and distress to others, and this is, you know, what was picked up on with um, uh, with this incident with the diver Tom.
0: But it's also uh, meant big trouble for a couple of the athletes themselves, be with their use of Twitter.
1: Oh, well, that's right. I mean, we saw this before the games with our own Nick Darcy. You know, posing with those guns and those photos got on up on Facebook, and then he was banned from uh, from using social media. Um, we had uh, that um, the Greek uh, triple triple jumper. Um, who posted a a message um, up on Twitter mocking African immigrants. We had a Swiss um, footballer um, who referred to South Koreans as a a bunch of mongoloids. Uh, Brazilian um, uh, judo fighter was abused by Twitter after her defeat. So Twitter just keeps on coming (laughs) throughout these games as both um, a means of uh, distress... Um, and a way of uh, receiving discouragement.
0: All of which ties in nicely into a timely article, I think, on how to regain some kind of control over the social media frenzy lots of people are feeling. This is from psychology professor at California State University, Larry Rosen. First, tell us about his diagnosis.
1: Yeah, so he's coined this phrase called uh, eye disorder, uh, where he uh, contends that through the use of technology, um, people are manifesting more symptoms of, of narcissism and um, obsessive compulsive disorder and social phobias and hypochondria um, and other Uh, As he says, um, uh, psychiatric malady. So, all these um, things of the mind that are to do with self um, are becoming far more exaggerated because of social media.
0: But he makes the point that technology doesn't make us crazy, but it may exacerbate our crazy tendencies or develop them. Where's the dividing line?
1: I think it's a a tricky question i I think as human beings our focus um naturally is on ourselves we are naturally um selfish and self-interested uh creatures uh what what he has noticed is that with um future generations uh develop um each generation is increasingly uh has increasingly higher levels of anxiety when they are separated from technology uh and so um the more that people are using technology, um, the more anxiety uh, develops. So it kind of goes round and uh, round and round in, in circles. Uh, mm-hmm. Perhaps we'll see in the future uh, a greater training um, and awareness of the, the you know the, the good uses of social media and also how it affects us, so we can manage its use better.
0: Yes, one interesting thing he has to say is that nobody, regardless of age, regardless of gender, is really that good at multitasking because there are a lot of us who think we are in this day and age well
1: that's right i i don't know i think this myth of of multitasking is is fast becoming um debunked uh particularly as we see just how ineffective we are at doing um multiple things on the computer at once Mm. uh social media just continues to take our attention away and so you know this professor uh larry rosen um argues that you know we want to keep encouraging people to use social media but do it in set breaks throughout the day rather than kind of keeping your Twitter feed or your Facebook page open the whole time because we're simply not able to concentrate on on two things at once. In fact, the research that I've seen um, suggests that Whenever you're interrupted, be it from Twitter or even just a colleague kind of, you know, um, knocking on your door, it takes 30 minutes to get back in the zone of where you were before you were interrupted. Um, And so that multitasking really just splits your attention multiple ways rather than helping you to do um, lots of things at once.
0: So he's not saying switch it all off. But take a break. Take yeah, that's break.
1: right. Again, yeah. Be aware of how you use it, and then slot it into periods uh, throughout the day, so that you're not spending all of your time um, on uh, social media because it will distract you. And I think you know, a lot of people would realise this that you could you could spend a lot of time on Facebook, and you realise at the end of it, what have I actually done? You know, like I've, I kind of know <laughs> a bit do. more about what people are doing, but it's not a particularly productive yeah. use of time. Uh, so slot in those. Uh, Times for social media engagement, but don't uh, don't have the window open all day all day long.
0: The larger question is, and you mentioned the "I" word before, a question of identity. What do we say about where our identity is or should be, infinitely beyond social media? I suppose
1: that's right. I mean, I think the question that social media keeps asking is, you know, who am I? Um, And it provides us with an opportunity to shape our identity. We We produce tweets, we produce Facebook status updates, we upload photos, all wanting to push out to the world an image of who we are, we want to shape uh, that image and then in return we feel something about ourselves based on how people engage with us and and what they say about us and the number of likes or comments that we receive on a Facebook post. And I think this is, you know, this is a challenge to our identities, but as a Christian, something that I continue to remind myself of is the fact that my identity is not founded in what other people think of me or even in what I think of myself, but in what God thinks of me, what God has done for me in how God feels towards me, Um, God's love for me. Expressed through, um, ultimately through the the death and resurrection of Jesus, that unconditional, unchangeable, indestructible love gives me a great um, identity um, that. Uh surpasses any of these changing fads and um, conditional kind of opinions that others might have of me. And that's what you know we have to continue to return to rather than allowing these you know varying voices uh, in the world to, uh, to speak to us.
0: After what I've seen over the last week, I say thank the Lord for that. Yeah. Before I let you go, Steve, there is also uh, in the new media, social media world, a new app as if we've needed one. It's an interesting prospect for families, though. Tell us about that one.
1: That's right. So there's a, a, um, a new website out. It's called Family Leaf. It's part of a whole bunch of websites, actually, that um, are, are trying to carve out a niche similar to Facebook but uh, directed at, at family. So uh, they're a place for families um, to have their own little online space where they can have discussions and share photos and keep up with family news. Some of them allow you as well to... Uh, Uh, kind of, you know, upload your family tree and and, um, talk about upcoming and past family events. The big benefit of these websites is that for people who are perhaps less tech-savvy and, you know, they may not be as familiar with Facebook, or for people who are just a little bit wary about Facebook and uh, how it uses their information, or for people who don't want to share all the information to the world but just want to communicate within their family network, these little websites are providing a way for people to do that. It's a great way to keep in touch with family members who might be scattered across the globe without having to use that Facebook platform.
0: So do you reckon it might catch on in the shadow of the social media gorillas of things like Facebook and Twitter?
1: Oh, look, I think there's a challenge there because people probably, you know, have got enough accounts they're trying to manage (laughs) and and profiles and networks. But, uh, you know, one of my big uh, uh, thoughts is that people will become increasingly suspicious of, um, some of these social media companies as they try to monetize our information. And yes. uh, so I think some of these smaller networks uh, in the future will become more popular as people become a bit more wary, uh, potentially, of uh, how other bigger networks use their information.
0: Steve Krieger, I'm so glad you join us every few weeks on Open House. Thanks again, mate.